All right, welcome back to another hurry-up edition of Hey Fight Podcast, LSU 34, McNeese State 7, Jacob Pastor, Cody Warsham, not in the bus this time, uh, back in my office. After uh, after the game, and um, Hester, I want to, look, I, I want to give this hurry-up some structure moving forward. It's still going to be pretty, like, off the top of the head like we're still freestyling for the most part but i want to give us just a little structure okay so i thought about it this week and what i want it to look like and again last week we talked about the angle and the angle for us is always going to be rational over emotional we're going to try to approach these things rationally not emotionally emotional you know if you want the emotional response after the game unless we win then we'll get really emotional i guess i remember the 2019 national championship post-game podcast i got a little emotional um but for the most part especially when we're not happy we're going to focus more on the right. on on the rational but i want to give it some structure so here's what we're going to do we're going to talk about the things that we loved the things that we liked and the things that we loathed and the things that we learned okay so the four l's that we're going to okay. talk about i'll let you pick i want you to pick where we're starting on this hurry up edition after lsu beat McNeese, 34-7. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with what you liked, loved, loathed, or learned? You want to go loathe and just get it? Let's get it out of the way. Just go ahead and rip the band-aid off. What did you loathe about this performance? Uh, The inability, again, to not create running lanes. Mm. That was probably the thing I loathed again. And I understand you had some guys playing really out of position. You were really just trying to put together an offensive line with so many injuries that you had. But still, that's probably the thing that's most concerning for me. Now, at the end of the game, you saw it open up a little bit, and I think you could roll a couple of things that I liked in, into the running game, but let's talk about the, the loathe here while we're at it. It just doesn't seem like there's that initial push. And we talked about the numbers – on last week's podcast, right? Four yards before contact. And the other team has total. well over 100. <laughs> total. Some people hear that and they're like, oh, four yards per carry before contact. That's pretty good for total. Yeah. Last and, week against UCLA. And there was just more of that, right? There, there's just more of that. There's no initial push. Yep. And then everything's a stalemate. And as we said last week, if you stalemate in the run game, well, the defense wins. And then you fall into a tendency as a running back to try to almost tiptoe your way into finding the perfect crease because you don't feel like one's going to be there instead of allowing your keys to take over. And you kind of read it like you're supposed to because you feel like there's not going to be that push there. And so you start to really just... When I say tiptoe, like you're just kind of going back and forth trying to find something, some small crease where you can try to press it. So that's probably the thing that I loathe the most in this contest. Yeah, I, th- I think everyone that watched that game loathed the the, the performance uh, of the LSU offensive line. I think <laughs> LSU's offensive line will loathe the performance and will loathe watching film. And loathe is a strong word, but um, I needed another L word because all the other ones had L's. So... <laughs> I'll build on what you said and say not just the the running game, which, by the way, you mentioned yards before contact. And I always use pro football focus as stats because they chart everything. They do chart the games live, but they go back and um, review the footage after the game to make sure everything's accurate. So this number could change before we talk on Tuesday. But LSU got 1.1 yards per cont- uh, after before contact per carry. 1.1 yards before contact per carry today, which um, – if you do 33 carries, that's like, you know, around 36, 37 yards total before contact. That's better than four, uh, but it's not good enough. It's certainly not against the caliber of opponent you played. No disrespect to, to McNeese State, who who came in and really played very, very well in the trenches. But if you're playing a non-Power 5 team, you should be able to get get more than that and produce more than that. And so the offensive line was, was disappointing tonight. Um I think we do have to – it's not a caveat. It's just stating the facts. A number of guys out. Chase and Hines did not play. Um, probably your starter at at, uh, at right guard. Um, Cam Wire, your starter at left tackle, did not play. Austin Deculus, your starter at right tackle, did not play. Anthony Bradford didn't play at all. Um, am I missing anyone else? 
I think I think that covers all the, the offensive linemen that were out. But basically, yeah. four of your six best offensive linemen were not available. Really, the only guys that played were Liam Shanahan and Ed Ingram. And so, for me, this whole game, like I can't, I can't really break down this game, like in terms of like what happened X's and O's schematically, or you know, even like individual players, um, mostly because. I didn't zoom in that closely during the game on those things. I was looking much more big picture. And what did I say this week that I wanted to see from LSU's offense this week? I wanted to see some push and diversity in the running game mm-hmm. and the ability to throw the ball down the field, which we may get to in a second. But the offensive line was was disappointing as a whole, and it's concerning. Um, I wonder how much getting Deculus, getting Cam Wire back, um, getting Chase and Hines back helps. I think it certainly helps some, and I think you have to, any discussion you have about this game has to consider that, because they are your starters, they are your go-to guys, they are better than the guys that played tonight. The guys who played tonight did not um, did not show well for themselves, um, but they're inexperienced, they'll learn from it, they'll get better from it, but going into Central Michigan next week and then SEC play the next week, you've got to do something different offensive line-wise, and I don't know if you can scheme your way around it, I don't know if you can just expect those starters to come in and, and elevate their performance from what they did against UCLA because they, they weren't good enough against UCLA. They weren't good enough tonight against McNeese State, and it sort of bogged everything down. And I let me go to my analogy. Cody does these these dumb, <laughs> stupid analogies. I was mess, I was talking to you about this before. I talked about the cheese balls this week on the on the podcast. Here's my 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 um my thing for tonight, my my analogy for tonight. And I want to pull it up on my computer because I did write it down during the game, and, well, I was just talking about how poorly the offensive line performed, and I can't type in my password on my computer, so who am I to judge? But um, regardless, I can give you the, the version off the top of my head. A, a, a great chef uses seasoning, right? I love seasoning. You love seasoning yes. on your food. little Tony Satchery's, a little uh, – what, what else do they make? What, what's Charles Alexander's? Charles Alexander's is he's not the slap your mama. Come on, man. Come on, man. Char- right. Of course, it's his catchphrase. Come on, man. Slap your mama. Um, a little hot sauce, a little salt. I mean, whatever. Whatever you want to throw on there, it's delicious. Love seasoning. Oh, uh, the diamond, Dustin Poirier, has a really good hot sauce yes. while we're at it. Yes. I mean. We love seasoning. We're South Louisiana guys, North Louisiana guy, but we're Louisiana guys. And seasoning's great, but when you don't have meat on the plate, what's the point? You're just going to dump some Tony Satchers on a plate and dab your finger and like <laughs> scoop it up and eat it that way. No, that's not good. Yeah. And so the same applies for football. I don't know what we can tell about how the, the offensive play calling, the offensive scheme, um, the even the execution of everyone else on the field in the skill position terms. Seasoning's great. Uh, diverse play calling's great. Diverse run scheming is great. Trick plays are great. Little touch passes to Trey Palmer when he comes in motion are, are, are great. Um, Kayshawn Butte out of the backfield was nice. I, there were some wrinkles tonight that were nice. But you you can't have seasoning if you don't have meat on the plate. And you can't really throw in offensive wrinkles and spice up the offense if you can't protect in the trenches. And so it was this, the concern that I had with this team going into uh, leaving the scrimmages. Remember after the first yeah. scrimmage, I was like, the offensive line – got beat up pretty good today by the defensive line and I'm hoping that's a sign that LSU's defensive line is elite which the way they played tonight against McNeese State looked looked like that now again McNeese State's offensive line is not an SEC offensive line but regardless um but that was my concern with the offensive line and it's my concern still with the backups against McNeese State with that big caveat but those that group whoever comes back next week whoever's healthy has a lot to prove they absolutely do because the opponent's only going to go up from here, and that certainly starts next week with Central Michigan, right? They're going to be a better opponent than McNeese was here tonight in Mississippi State. You start conference play and Auburn's next, right, and so on and so forth. It's just it's something that's not negotiable. Like, it has to happen because you can't go through a season – and us be here on this hurry up podcast and talk about four yards total before contact. And then we come back to next week and you have 1.1 yards before contact, right? As, as a former running back, 
you just you start to chase ghosts a little bit. We always talk about other positions chasing ghosts when we don't really talk about the running back position. And I kind of talked about it like when you start talking about tiptoeing and trying to to find just something, find a crease, and you don't have that trust. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no trust in and what's happening as far as the blocking scheme in front of you. And I know, and I know this position's dead and some people listening might not know what I'm talking about. They might be thinking I'm talking soccer, but uh fullback back in the old days when you used to run with a fullback, like that had to be a, a bond that that was full of trust. Like you had to know that if you were running a zone run and we used to call it zone extra here at LSU and the fullback's job was to read it like he had the ball. That was his job. Like he didn't have a certain man. You read it like you had the ball and you block kind of the first uh, opponent that shows up. And as a running back, you have to trust that your fullback is going to make the right cut and you're going to cut off his block, right? And so so much of the run game comes with that trust, just knowing your guy's going to do what he's supposed to be doing. And when you don't have that, then that's when you start chasing ghosts at the running back position. So it's really it's really tough right now to grade the running backs because I talked about the running backs on this podcast. Certainly I talked about them on every show that I did about, you know, me wanting someone to step up from the group. I can't really come here and, and tell you what I think of the running backs right now because I don't know. And I think a lot of that falls on something they can't control. And so it was exciting. Like we started talking about the four L's, you know, something I really, really enjoyed something I loved was, was seeing the the splash of Armani Goodwin and Corey Kiner into the game plan, it looked like they had some juice to them. It looked like they had uh, another little gear to them, right? That was something that I really enjoyed seeing tonight. Um, but even even when they were in there, right, some of the things uh, that was in front of them wasn't uh, incredibly clean either. So it got better. It got better in the second half in the running game. Um, if I can pull up the splits here, but you mentioned Goodwin certainly did it early for LSU. Um, Kiner did it late for LSU. I thought those two runs that he had at the end of the game were, were really impressive runs, really yeah, brought was, some some energy. Yeah, it was more of an outside uh, you know, zone-type run than, than an inside zone. Like Nussmeyer really you – know, it felt like he had the ability to pull it if he wanted to, but it was a real stretched-out run opposed to let's just go ahead and hand it off and, and cut inside – off the guards block. And so that was even a little bit different. We saw, you know, a, a pitch to Goodwin to get on the edge and it wasn't, you know, super effective. It was a two yard run, but like to your point, Cody, it was just nice to see that that's, that's up and that's going to be available. So there was some things in the run game that we asked to see that we didn't see a week ago. Uh, you still hope there's going to be more, but you can call the greatest run play of all time, and if it's not blocked right, it just it's not going to be effective. <clears throat> we'll 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 move on from the offensive line. We'll revisit it later because we did have some questions, so we'll get to it at the end. But I'll finish with this. Shay Dixon tweeted this stat um, after the first quarter. This was LSU's run plays in the first quarter: two yards, twenty-one yards, which was a good one. Mm-hmm. One he limped off after. Then he got three yards, one yard, one yard, negative one yard, three yards, zero yards. Negative one yards. And against anybody that's not good enough, against an opponent that you should um, be able to generate some push against, it's, it's certainly not good enough. So that's that's what we loathe. You mentioned one of the things that you love and that nice little um, segue. So we'll, we'll go to the love after doing 11 minutes of, <laughs> of, uh, of, of loathing. And look, we're, we're not attacking the, the people. We're attacking the problem. And um, LSU's offensive line knows they need to play better and I don't think we're going to be the only ones saying it in fact I think they'll be saying it in a lot stronger terminology yeah. in that room this week and um, they, they've got some work to do and they're aware of that what else did you love from tonight maybe something from the other side of the ball because right. I think this two things can be true we said it last week you're not going to learn anything over the next two weeks, and really this week. You're not going to really learn anything. Well, I'm kind of giving away the spoils here because we do have a learn. We, you're going to learn something, but those guys aren't going to prove anything is what we said, so let me correct myself. Yeah. No one on this team is going to prove anything against the McNeese State, yeah. um, really against the Central Michigan either. I, until you're back in the SEC, back against a Power 5 yeah. opponent, you're not going to prove anything to, to the outsiders. You may prove something to yourself. But um, regardless, there, there, there was certainly improvement defensively mm. and again 
if we're going to get on the offense for not doing what they should have done uh, against McNeese, we have to give defense credit for doing what right. they should have done against McNeese, which was dominate them to the tune of, as he clicks on his stats. Eight sacks tonight. Eight sacks, only 142 total yards. Um, some of those kind of there at the end. On a, There was a 44-yard screen touchdown pass from Cody Orgeron. Um, to I don't remember who caught it for McNeese, but that was kind of their big play. Before that, their offensive numbers were, I mean, it doesn't get much worse than what they were. Conversely, LSU's defensive numbers were great. They got off the field on third down. They got after the quarterback, I think, would you say eight sacks? Yeah. Um, 16 tackles for loss, four PBUs, three quarterback hurries. Uh, not a lot of missed tackles, not a lot of busted assignments. So the defense has to be, I think, something that we – are you going love? Are you going like? What was your assessment of, of the defense? No, I loved the defensive front. I, I truly thought they had a nice day. And when you really look at so far, you know, you've played eight quarters of football. And I think six of the quarters of the eight quarters have been really, really good football from the defensive line. I truly do. Go back to Pasadena. They had four sacks in the first half. Yep. Now, they didn't capitalize off that, that first half, and they, they struggled in the second half, but they came out tonight, and they did a lot of the same things they did in the first half. I mean, when you're talking about eight sacks, and it's coming from multiple guys, I thought Andre Anthony and Mason Smith both had another big outing. So those are things that you love. You love being able to get pressure from four. Now, you can't live only you know rushing four guys, and I think Durante Jones did a really nice job tonight of bringing some pressure, and it created some of those opportunities for the defensive front. But you know Mason Smith is a true freshman, and he's out there really dominating people. He did it last week, too. It wasn't only this week against McNeese, and that offensive line for UCLA has got a lot of Sunday players on it. So, you know... To be able to be that dominant when you're still trying to figure it out, you're still trying to learn. Like Andre Anthony, I, I love his story. I love the fact that he's dominating as a super senior. But to do it as a true freshman, that's also like really impressive to me. So I love the defensive line play so far. I thought outside of the second half against UCLA, where they definitely wanted to clean some things up, they've played six really good quarters of football. Yep, you had Mason Smith with six tackles, three sacks, three and a half tackles for loss. You had Andre Anthony with five tackles. Two and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. You had Jaqueline Roy with the, the the strip and the recovery early in the game. So you got some push up front. You got some playmaking from up front. That was really good to see on defense. I have to do a love, and um, it's Kate York. And I, 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 it's a good I, one. I think we could just talk about Kate York for the entire podcast, and we probably yeah. see pretty high downloads because that's how popular he is. Yeah. I, I'm just going to say it. It's not like controversial or anything. He's the best kicker to ever wear purple and gold. I don't think it's close. Yeah. I think, no, it's and that is not a disrespect to the, the great kickers who have come here through here before. He is on a different level. He is Joe Burrow to every other quarterback that was at LSU before. Like, he is just – he's on it. That's how, how yeah. elite he is with what he does. Tonight – he set two Tiger Stadium records, first a 55-yarder, then a 56-yarder. Both were, at the time he kicked them, the longest in Tiger Stadium history. Um, look, special teams, field goal kickers, I don't know. The The perception is that they are a uh, – they're gravy, they're cherry on top. But right. you and I both remember days where LSU was not consistent or reliable at kicker. It cost them games. It made you nervous. This is the opposite. As Max Johnson said after the game, it's pretty freaking sweet to have a guy as automatic as Cade York to where when you cross the 50, you feel – you don't just feel good about it. Like, you can go ahead and put three on the board at yeah. least. You might you might double it if you get in the end zone, but you know you got three. By the way, 12 of 14 in his career on 50-plus yards. Yeah, it's, that's, it's insane. It's insane. It really is. And – I mean, we saw him make a 50-plus yarder against UCLA that got called off, right? You could have added to that total. It was a 52-yarder that backed up the 57, and I'm, I guarantee you Coach O is sitting there this week like, I should just let him kick the 57-yarder. <laughs> right. Because I think he hit the net on the 52-yarder in Pasadena. And Dude, dude to have that weapon, and, and I was fortunate to play with some really good kickers, not only LSU, but really good like Pro Bowl kickers in the NFL, Nate Kading in San Diego and Matt Prater in Denver. And when you have that weapon – it can change your play calling as well. Like you can do some things like you can maybe take a more aggressive chance when you're on the 35 yard line and you can maybe take a shot because you know, okay, my kicker can make it from this distance. I don't have to get 
six yards to put myself in better field goal position. And I was talking with Kay before the game, and we were kind of just joking about his range or whatever, and the kid's just so cool, calm, and collected. I mean, he, he hit 250-plus yarders tonight, and I'm sitting there talking to him after the game, and it's just like another day for him. Yep. Like, he almost, like, didn't even want to talk about it. He's like, yeah, well, like, that's my job. That's he was I'm, critical in his post-game press conference after his 56-yarder. He said he pulled it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you pulled it right between the uprights. What are you talking about? <laughs> he, he's got that he's got that similar mentality. You see it with, like, Joe's the easy comparison because he's the latest guy, but yeah. the perfectionist mentality – you mentioned like the the liberation that it gives you offensively. I mean, Max Johnson took a sack for seven yards. Else, you had the ball up to the thirty-one, where you're really, really comfortable. On third and seven, Max takes a sack. I don't remember the specifics of the sack. It may have been one of those ones where the guy was just untouched. It and, was. It was a quick. Yeah. And, and and you can't really put that on the quarterback. But talk about a bailout. Cade York yeah. comes in and and crushes it from fifty-five. So then he comes out and. His one from 56. He told a really good story that we have to share on the podcast about being at Pasadena last week. I don't know if you've heard the story. I wasn't aware of this story. But the team, um, the schedule was slightly altered um, because because of the hurricane or whatever. And so they had a – I think it was on the Thursday. And they had a, a walkthrough scheduled at the Rose Bowl. But they canceled it and said they practiced maybe – um, at the hotel or something. Mm-hmm. He, I, I can't remember what it was, the specifics. But whatever it was, the team was not going to the stadium. And Cade York is so routine-oriented that him and the specialist got on a bus by themselves, bust out to the stadium so that they could get their kicks, got back in time for the team meeting in the morning. Like That's the dedication to the craft that, that he has. And that's what I appreciate about Cade. When he got here as a freshman, he was so, so talented – I used to watch. He used to be the reason I got to warm ups early, not to watch Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Like I'd seen those guys, I'd watch Cade yeah. York kick sixty yarders, sixty five yarders in warm ups, and marvel at his talent. He's got the talent, and then he's got that mentality that that yeah. makes you excellent. And so I'm serious. I could talk about the guy all day. That's how much yeah. I love watching him kick. Um, his mentality is just. If we all could master that mentality in our own like professional lives, we'd be like unstop. I'd like. I would be the best podcaster in the world. And my strategic communications would be so strategic and so well communicated. Um, your, your radio show would like melt people's faces when they listen to it in the morning. We, we need to capture that that Cade York is about. And by the way, he's got to win the Groza. Like I, I don't yeah. care what happens the rest of the year. He's got to win the Groza. I'm with you, too. And, and I hope everyone knows what we're talking about when we say mentality. Like This guy doesn't want to talk about what he did because that's not special to him. And I mean that in a good way. Like, it's not special that he set the record two different times for longest kick in Tiger Stadium. Like, he expects to be that that player. Like, he just assumes, like, if my coach tells me to go out there, almost like I don't care what the distance is, like, I'm going to put it through the uprights. And you can listen to a press conference, and you mentioned, like he said, he pulled it. And you could be like, oh, he just wants you to be like, no, 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 you were great. No, like he truly feels like he had a miss hit yep. in that kick. And uh, it's been a weapon. And I know we've sat here and we've talked like 10 minutes about a kicker, but I'm with you. Like, I could talk about him for I agree. It's not enough. Minutes. That's not enough. We should, no, we should keep talking I, about dude, I had him. <laughs> I had him 101 after he made the kick in the fog against Florida. And it's just wild how calm the guy is. He goes, yeah, I mean, those LED lights, like they were trying to see how bright they could do, but I didn't really care. Like I knew where I wanted to hit it, and I knew where I had to hit it to make the field goal. And I'm like, dude, you're <laughs> game winner on the logo. It's foggy as all get out. They're having LED lights, so it looks like yellow fog out there. And you're not even worried about it? He goes, no, like I know where I'm supposed to hit the ball, and I know where, where the uprights were. So I knew as soon as I hit it, I'm like, that's – that's wild to me. As I tweeted during the game, not only should Cade York win the Lou Groza Award this year, if he stays on the, the path that he's on, which I have no doubts that he will, they should just rename the trophy <laughs> after him. And then also I Googled during the game um, highest drafted kickers of all time just to see. like Seabass? Sebastian Sebastian's, uh, I don't know if he's not the highest. The Saints took a guy in 79. Oh, who ended up being Ooh, a bust? You, yeah. I couldn't pronounce oh, his last name. You wanna you wanna fire up an old head Saints fan? Yeah, bring that draft choice up. Let me, what, can you filibuster while I Google his name because I tried to look it up during the game. Yeah, I'll filibuster. You know why? Because I had a Google search of my own with K. Jork, 
and I hope the coaches don't hear this, and I hope the fans don't hear this. I Googled, has a kicker ever come out early to the <laughs> NFL draft? Coaches, don't be mad at me. Uh, I'm just I'm Google checking just to see if it's ever happened before because I don't want it to happen Okay, selfishly. So, okay, so this is from Quora, so hopefully this guy's right. Uh, Charlie Gogolak was selected sixth overall in the 1966 draft by the Redskins. He was the first soccer-style kicker in the NFL. Okay. Um, his brother, Pete Gogolak, actually had a more successful career with the New York Giants. Place kicker slash punter Russell Erkslaben was drafted by the Saints with the 11th pick in the 79 draft. God, he, was a, pick. he was a bust in the NFL. And then Ray Guy was drafted by the Oakland Raiders with the 23rd pick in the first round. He was a punter. Yeah, Ray, Ray Guy turned out pretty good. And then Janikowski was 17 overall yeah. with the Raiders in 2000, 2001. Um, I don't think Cade York's going to end up being a first-rounder, but like <laughs> he's he is an invaluable commodity to LSU and to whatever team ends up with him next. So, all right, we've done um, we've done love, we've done loathe. Let's go back to the middle. We've gone to the two extremes. Um, what did you like about today? What was something that you know makes makes you makes you feel okay? Hey, maybe there's something here. You know, it's a guy I've talked about a lot in the preseason. I like how they're using Jack Besh. Yes, we saw him. I like Jack Besh. The, we saw him early in the UCLA game, and I wanted him to go back to it and. We've covered enough football games. We know sometimes the pace is just dictated another way and you can't get back to what you want to do. But he had four catches, 57 yards. He had a 24-yarder, 14 per catch tonight. And it just it looks good when he's out there. I mean, yep. he's a big body. Obviously, he's playing a lot of tight end, but he's also playing some receiver. And I just love the way he runs his routes, man. Yep. He, runs, he runs his routes with authority. And he, he runs them to make it easier on the quarterback. He's a very easy target for the quarterbacks. And I thought, yet again, you know, he, he impressed me. And, and in a very, very talented freshman class of pass catchers, he continues to stay with that group and let you know, hey, don't forget about me. I'm going to be here. And LSU keeps putting him out there on the field as a true freshman because he makes a difference. Yeah, the more they can throw the ball to 80, the the better I feel. Um, I'll stick with a freshman on offense. I liked Garrett Nussmeyer tonight. I'm not alone in that. I saw the Twitter reaction. I probably contributed to some of the Twitter reaction. But Twitter and the public in general saw today what we've kind of seen in camp a little bit. And the word that Coach O used at a press conference earlier in the fall before the season was perfect. Garrett Nussmeyer is dynamite. Um, What I I tweeted during the game, uh, that should be like its own segment, Cody talks about his own tweets um so obnoxious what i tweeted in the game was it's the best one of five start for nine yards in lsu football history by a quarterback and you could see it it, it was electric it was as coach o said dynamite now yeah. was he perfect absolutely not he finished three of ten for 19 yards did he have at least three if not more passes dropped 100 yeah. percent. so those stats should be much better but here's what i liked the first throw he comes out there, and what did I say that I wanted to see this week from LSU's offense? Yeah, push the ball down push the field. Push the ball down the field. They didn't do it with Max. I don't remember him taking any shots, period. No. Maybe that was intentional. Maybe it was not. I don't know. Nussmeyer's first ball, <laughs> boom, taking a shot, and he throws a dime, like yeah. a good ball. Now, uh, I think it was the Deion Smith yeah. down the left sideline. It wasn't really open. May have been multiple guys over there, but hey, take the shot couple throws later, takes another shot, yeah. puts another dime on Dre Jenkins. Now, double coverage, maybe not the right place to go with the ball, but you could see the arm talent. He put it in spot. Only his guy can make a play on it, though. That is correct. <laughs> and then he had, that, that could have been one of the drops. That one was debatable because yeah. the defender made I don't know. I couldn't see the replay in the press box, whatever. But you could see the arm talent. Yeah. You could see the mobility. You could see the swagger. And that's, yeah. what, that's what we saw. And so the, that's why the word – dynamite is so apt because he's explosive now the dynamite might blow up in your face he might throw a pick that he shouldn't he might throw it in a double coverage a time here or there which by the way i don't think he really showed that tonight we saw it in camp a little bit um and that's probably the spring than anything the spring yeah of course three i think he had three picks in the spring supposed to be a problem of course (laughs) but the arm talent the leg talent the swagger like We've been talking about wanting to see some juice from this team. Yeah. Besh brought it. Yeah. Nuss, Nuss has that. Yeah. And so, look, there's no quarterback controversy. Max Johnson is your guy. Um, the, 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 there, there is no debate right now. Um, 
but you feel good if Nuss yeah. has to come in the game. And you feel good if later in the season he needs to step up. Yeah. You feel confident that certainly the ceiling is there for that. There's a couple times, honestly, when he avoided pressure, he probably could have run and picked up 100%. seven, eight, nine, <laughs> maybe ten yards and got a There's first no down. There's no maybe about it. He absolutely was sitting there like, man, I, I, I'm and getting my numbers. Like, I am not running this football. I'm looking downfield. <laughs> that's right. I'm going to throw this pass. Yes. Um, and that's those are the things that you love about him and just being a competitor. And you're right. Like, yeah, sometimes it might blow up. Probably will sometimes blow up in your face. But you'll live with the 85% that it doesn't because yeah. it is exciting. It really is. Like, that's the most exciting three of nine for 19 yards I've seen. <laughs> you, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of when I was, like, in middle school, maybe early high school, and I used to create a player on, like, NCAA 13 or 14 I guess I wasn't in high, middle or high school then so NCAA 06 or whatever yeah. and you create a player and you're like I want to build up this dude's stats as much as I can so that he can win the Heisman and you would do that like you would come out and you're like I'm taking shots downfield and then you'd roll out and you could run <laughs> the whole field would be open before and you're like no no no, no, no. no. I'm going back in the pocket <laughs> we're waiting for somebody to get open yeah. and we're stat pumping and that's that's, right. that's a little bit of what he had um, he's got a little bit of that um just that that swagger that juice that that yeah like i'm here to this is what i'm here to do and too much of that is bad too little of it is bad finding the middle ground is perfect and uh we'll see if he can get there because he's this was his debut i don't think it's the last time we see him on the field this year i think he's got uh, more story to write if you have to play a freshman quarterback if something did happen to max and miles isn't back yet you want a freshman with that mentality. You do not want a freshman that is tiptoeing in there, that is trying to test the waters. No, Nuss is jumping in and doing a cannonball. There's no <laughs> testing the waters with him. And that, like, that you can't open her. Yeah, without question. Trying to see how so you, big of a splash he can yeah, make. Yeah, so you, you have to have that if you're a true freshman trying to play at, at that position. Okay, we, we did uh, loathe, we did love, we did like. What did we learn? tonight and this is a hard game to learn from because the gap between McNeese and UCLA from week yeah. two and to week one or vice versa is uh, is pretty significant so I don't know how much you're going to learn but what did you learn if anything from tonight's game I learned that if the defense does what it's supposed to do communicating what they're adjusting to they can be a great defense when we did the hurry up the last time, obviously we hadn't watched the tape and you see stuff on the replay and I was actually calling the game on the radio. So I actually felt like I was more removed from the game because I'm having to go to the next play. I don't yeah. have time to reflect on the play before. And I went back and I watched it. And even I watched it after we did the podcast early in the week. And there was so many things that I thought, the first time I saw it, I knew what, what I was seeing. And then I go back and I watch it more. And I'll, I'll give you an example. On the third and eight touchdown against UCLA, when uh, Coda, the receiver, ended up on Buck Strong. Yep. Well, to me, you know, just watching it the one time and having to move on on the radio call, I'm like, oh, man, they were they, they found him in man coverage. And you never want to have your, your middle linebacker on a receiver on a crossing route. I mean, how'd they end up like that? And then I go back and I really start to to watch everybody on a play because I want to figure out exactly what happened. Because anytime you have a motion, you're, you're typically going to check something, right? Yep. Well, they had they had trips, and and two members of the trips were uh, kind of in a two man bunch. And I'm like, okay. And then they motioned the third receiver, Coda, who ended up catching the touchdown to create a tight bunch, like a normal tight bunch formation. Well, you're never going to play man in a bunch. Like, just you're not going to do it because you can get picked off so easy. You're going to to check the zone. That's what the so, bunch is designed to do, without question. So I'm like, okay, well, I thought Bug was was actually you know playing man, but certainly he wasn't. And then you go back and watch it, and as soon as Coda, the receiver, motioned in to create that bunch, you could see Elias Ricks hold his hand up to like switch to zone. Yep. And a couple of the other players did it, and Major, I think it was Major Burns, uh, got the check, and he's like, I got you, shaking his head yes. But he didn't tell Derek Stingley Jr. about the switch to zone, who's on the other side of the field. So, you know, he didn't see the fact that they motioned to a bunch. And you go and you play the tape, you got 10 guys playing zone, Mm -hmm. and Sting's playing man. 
And Sting took like a, it was like a 15 yard dig route where he thought they were still in man coverage. So he's following his route. And Bug Strong, I thought watching the play the first time that he was trying to read the quarterback's That's what eyes. I said. I thought he bit the pump. Thought thing. he bit. Thought he bit on that, and he got stuck a little bit. No, he thought he had another defender out mm. there. He's playing zone coverage. So he has got the middle of the field. He thought he had someone in the flats in a cornerback in Derek Stingley Jr. And, in fact, Sting was across the field because he was playing mo- uh, man on a dig route. Yep. And, see, so for me, that's something so simple because if you just communicate that down the line – and, it, look, it was the first time that that group had played together – uh, unfortunately, those type of things happen. But if you communi- communicate, hey, zone, then Stingley tackles that at four yards. It's fourth and four, yep. and they might kick a field goal, and then maybe it's a one-possession game. And, a- again, I know that that's like, man, like that something so small can make that big of a difference. Absolutely it can. So, so tonight I learned that if they get the right calls, which – I love the verbiage of this defense, right? Uh, you know, last year, obviously, with Bo, is real lengthy, and you can see lost in translation a little bit, some of the calls. No, this is this is a compact call. This is something where everybody's got to be on the same page, but they should be. And if they are, and if they do what they're supposed to do pre-snap-wise as far as communicating and having the hand signals or whatever it is, it's a really good defense. I mean, they've got some guys, uh, and we talked about the defensive line, um, I thought the linebackers played better. It was good to see Mike Jones uh, out there. Mike Jones. Um, so if they do what they're supposed to do and everybody gets the actual call, then I'm, I'm, I learned that this is a unit that can be successful. Are they perfect? No, absolutely not. They're not perfect. You gotta you want to see better uh, run fronts from the linebackers than you saw in the first week. These were better, but are they going to be better in week three? That's still to be uh, determined, but – I think I learned that if they're actually on the same page, I mean, they have the talent to be a great defense. So I'm going to break my own rules here. Um, I just don't know how much I learned from a 34-7 win over McNeese. So I'm not going to say I learned. I really need to watch this one again. Like I said, I yeah. I watched this one with um, not inattentive eyes, but sort of I was looking more for patterns and drives yeah. than specific plays. So I need to go back and watch this one. Um, but I'm going to break my own rule. I'm going to say what I loved, and then we'll get to questions. I loved being back in Tiger Stadium with a full capacity crowd. It wasn't 102,000. Yeah. Um, the paid attendance was like 94,000. Can I say it was it was much better than I anticipated? Yeah, it, it was better than I anticipated, too. And it started early, which I want to shout out at the LSU fans. It would have been very easy with an in-state opponent that you – Look, you let's call it like it is. You knew you were going to to get the victory, and after week one didn't go your way, I'm glad that that the Tiger fans did show up. They were here. We were doing the the pregame TV show, and you know we we started at eleven. We were prepping at like nine forty five, and there was already a small buzz on campus. I was happy to see that. Uh, it was it was good just to get the feelings that we haven't gotten in so long. So I used to ride my bikes, uh, my bike to all the games. I I'm live. Say you rode two bikes at once. That's impressive. <laughs> That'd be really impressive. <laughs> I used to ride my bike singular um, to the games when I first started working here. I live fairly close to campus, and the reason I did it was game day traffic is tough, and like you can, I mean, I, I could get here faster on a bike than I yeah. could in a vehicle sometimes. Uh, I stopped doing it because I would be riding my bike back home at like 2 a.m. and uh, not really feeling particularly safe. Maybe getting you know a couple of frat guys driving by, yelling things at me, honking at me, acting like going to run me off the road. Real funny stuff. So I stopped doing that. Um, however, and, and today I did not ride my bike. Yeah. But one of my favorite things about riding my bikes, my bike. Why do yeah. I keep doing that? Come I mean, on, Cody, get it together. Like. I'm here talking about the offensive line. I can't pull. I can't type in my password on my computer. I can't say the word bike singular. Like, who am I? Um, I would ride my bike. One of my favorite things about riding my bike to the games was the smell. When you would get mm-hmm. close enough to campus, you start smelling the jambalaya. You start smelling the yeah. gumbo. You start smelling the booze. Um, the sweat, like the sweat, no, the, the, the sun absolutely has a certain smell. It has a smell unlike yeah. any other, and I love it. It's like gasoline when you're like at the boat launch or yeah. fresh cut grass. Like it's one of those distinct smells that 
you wouldn't qualify qualify as like oh the best smells in the world, but it is. But yeah. it is. It makes you feel a certain way. Yeah, you bottle it up. You sell it for whatever you want. I got that. I got that. I got a whiff of that today yeah. when I parked the truck. Got out. Got a whiff of that, and that was that was wonderful. That was the first thing that I I noticed when I got on campus. But then after that, I I never do the. Uh, the Victory Hill. I never walk with right. the team down Victory right. Hill. Like that's not my thing. That's for the team. Um, my role has changed since the last time we did Victory Hill. So today I was out there just kind of keeping an eye on things, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I've ever done it, oh, and it? I, I've I've done it before as a, a member of the media covering it, but right. I've never like paid attention to the surroundings. Yeah, uh, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it again today because it was a a wonderful experience when the team buses pulled up. Mm-hmm. And there's just fans packed everywhere and nothing but positive vibes and love for the Tigers. And look, we didn't have this last year. It was not possible to do this last year. There was no way to do this without risking the the lives of everyone that, that, that came out there. Now, because of vaccines and testing and where we are from a year ago and, and how much progress we've made, we can do this safely. We had something precious taken away from us. And sometimes it takes having something precious taken away from you to appreciate it when it got back. The people that were here today were the people that love doing this. Yeah. They will be here rain or shine. They will be here if the team is 10-0 and 0 or 0-10. They love everything about this, LSU, and I'm so grateful to those fans for turning out, for tailgating, for going through the, the the additional security measures that we had to have to get them in the stadium this year. They did everything that they were asked, and they came out, and they rooted for the Tigers, and they cheered them on in Victory yeah. Hill, and they cooked some jambalaya. And like just experiencing all of that, every second from the moment I got out of my truck to the, the moment the football kicked off, the student section going crazy – all of that I loved, and I was so glad to have it back. I will never take it for granted ever again, period. Now, I'm completely with you. And even you and I getting to go to the games last year, the home games, it just it wasn't the same for all the reasons that you just said. And even today, I mean, I'm, I'm spoiled. Like I got a chance to play in that stadium for four years. I've been covering the team since 2014 and been in that stadium many times. And even today, I'm like, man, I – I've completely missed this. Like, it has been since we beat Texas A&M when Joe was still the quarterback in 2019 since I've been on this sideline. Yep. Because, like, last year when you come to the game, I'd go, I had to go straight to the press box. Yep. And you get a chance to sit there and, and get all the feels that you get when you're on the ground of Tiger Stadium. So I can promise you this. Um, I, I enjoyed it, and I've always loved it, but I will never take it for granted just being on that sideline and getting the feel of Death Valley and – it was positive vibes today. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know how it was going to play out today. I didn't know driving in this morning what the crowd was going to be like. I didn't know what the feel was going to be, but I did feel the same thing you did. Kid couldn't say it any better myself. Um, just glad I don't have to get on my bike singular after the game. Yeah, and on, ride home. You got I get those, to get in my truck singular. Bikes, plural. <laughs> I'm pretty gnarly. It. I'm filming it. I'm letting the world know. I would wear them like skates and then skate home on two bikes. That'd be pretty cool. So most of the time while you were trying to figure out how to say the <laughs> the word bike singular, I was trying to picture in my head how that would actually work. You riding two bikes. You could tow you could tow one behind you. You, you just have to sure. keep in balance. You might have to put some training wheels on it, but then would it be a bike? Is a bike with training wheels still a bike or does it then become a tricycle? It becomes a or, tricycle. Or a quadricycle. Because if you think about it, front tire, back tire, two training wheels, four wheels. That's true. We always called it a tricycle growing up. But but you're right. It's not a tricycle. But we were lied to. Yeah. Is what we're figuring Man, a true out now. Tricycle has one in the front, two in the back. All right. We've gone off the rails. Let's take a very, very quick break and get back with, uh, with somebody else's questions. All right. We're back. And we have some questions starting with Justin Duga. I'm going to call you Justin Duga. Maybe Dugas, but. Um, I see that Justin is from Dallas, so maybe it's a Dugas. I feel like Dallas would be a Dugas. Yeah, but if uh, it Gavin was... Dugas is the only one I know from South Louisiana that's Dugas and not Dugas. It still doesn't make any sense to me. By the way, speaking of Gavin Dugas, um, and before we get to Justin Dugas's question, before the game, I was on the sidelines. Jay Johnson was yeah. on the sideline. 
we started talking, I am so fired up for fall baseball. What they're doing on the recruiting trail, yeah. what he's doing with the program. I started kind of picking his brain, asking him some questions, getting some insider scoop. Not going to give any away, but right. I am uh, I am super excited about Real baseball. Real quick, because I know we have to get to questions. Jay did something. They pre- He presented something on the field, yep. and when he came off, the entire baseball team has their section, and they were chanting, Jay. Jay, Jay, Jay. And like they weren't going to give up until he looked and he looked and they all like erupted. I'm like, that's pretty cool that he's only been here for this long and his players are already like fired up for him and like they're kind of going back and forth a little bit. That's a good sign, Tiger fans. It is a good sign. Um, Like I said, the conversation we had only got me more excited about baseball season and uh, what's in store for the Tigers. So um, let's get to Justin's question. Justin, um, here, here's what Justin had to ask about. Hey, Cody and Jacob. Watching this game here. Justin from Dallas. And really concerned about the running game and the O-line. What are y'all's thoughts about what's wrong and how do we fix it? And is it fixable? Thanks. Big fan. Fo- and thanks for the question, Justin. I want to focus on the last part. Is it mm-hmm. fixable? How do you fix it? And last week, my solution was like, hey, the, like, give Jet, Trey Palmer a jet sweep and like yeah. and all this other stuff. And I don't know. Maybe that helps. Maybe getting Austin Deculus and Cam Wire and Chase and Hines back. Who, by the way, when I went back and looked, I keep doing this like these um, asides, but when I went back and looked at the pro football focus and the clips and all that stuff, Chase and Hines had by far the best game of any offensive lineman against UCLA. Like, what even close? Mm-hmm. He had the highest, I think he had 42% of his run grades were graded positively. It was by far the most on the team. Like, I'd double yeah. the next guy. So, getting those guys back probably helps. Maybe a little schematic. What What do you see? Is it is it fixable? Because I think we know this, regardless of who comes back. We don't, this, this isn't a, a um, 2011 LSU offense where you just like line up across from them and you're just going to get three yards of push every time. Yeah. I don't think that's coming. Maybe they get better, maybe they improve. Maybe that does come. But right. if they don't, how do you fix it? Can you scheme around it? Do you what, – what, what can you fix? Honestly, okay, so – and I've I've talked about it. Like, okay, let's see some more um, diversity in the running game. And I'd still like to see that. And they did some of that tonight. And I'll try to explain this without having the, the ability to show the video like we do when we do it during the week and, and we're in a video studio. Theater of the mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try let the to tape set play this up. in your head. Okay, so there was a a zone run to the right against UCLA. Okay, and if you just watch the quick replay, you're like, oh man, they got blown up. There's no push. Blah blah blah. And really, it was about technique. Okay, so Liam Shanahan and Ed Ingram had a combo block, and they were going to go from the defensive tackle to the linebacker, right? Liam was going to hit the defensive tackle. Ed Ingram takes that defensive tackle over, and then Liam's able to get up on the linebacker. Well, the defensive tackle kind of holds Liam, which is it a penalty? It can be called. It doesn't get called a lot. He gets held a little bit, and so he's late getting off. And then Ed's trying to take him over, but Liam has so much of him that he's struggling to take his block over. And Liam never gets a chance to get up on that linebacker. Okay. And then on the the left side, the left tackle, who's supposed to go up to the other linebacker, right? You're going up to the wheel linebacker. The other two are going up to the mic. He falls down because he tries to cut off his inside foot. You can't cut off your inside foot. No position can you do that and not fall down. Yes. Even the most athletic guys fall yes. down when they cut off the inside I foot. Even I might fall down. Right? So, but he, I can ride two bikes at once. So yeah, that's yeah I'm about to say. So, he, so I think it was Cam still in at the time. So he falls down. Well, uh, the tight end actually does a really nice job of cutting off the backside. But as a running back, you see a linebacker in the hole because your center has not been able to get up on the linebacker. You see a roving linebacker because the guy who's supposed to get him is is falling down. You have a backside cut because the tight end does what he's supposed to do. But because there's a tackle on the ground who fell, mm-hmm. you can't cut it back. And if you slow-mo the play, if Liam gets up on his guy because to your point – Chasen and Deculus do a really nice job yep. of moving the right side of the offensive line. And if Liam wasn't, you know, late getting there, it's a it's a seventeen yard run. Yeah. 
it's TDP versus a safety coming from the other side who's coming east and west, and TDP would have been going north and south. I like his chances in that matchup. And it's things like that. So, yeah, it wasn't the most diverse play. It was just a zone run. But by rule, if you were able to do what you're supposed to do, and it was right there for you, right? Liam just a second sooner is able to get on that linebacker. If Cam doesn't cut off his inside foot and he just gets in the way of the wheel linebacker, yep. there's a cut back there for the running back because I think it was Besh at the time cuts off the backside and does what he's supposed to do, keeping his head on the inside. So – is it fixable? Yeah, all that stuff's fixable. I, I'm not going to sit here and say, man, it's never going to happen. They can't do it. They, they don't have enough talent. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's right there in front of you. But a simple play like that has to be executed 95% of the time. Yeah, and I, you know, after that, I go back to the first scrimmage that I saw on the offensive line, really struggled. And the next week... In the scrimmage, the offensive line was better. And the next week in practice, the offensive line was better. And I was watching 9-on-7. Mm. And LSU started running the ball really well in some 9-on-7s. And Corey Kiner was hitting some home runs. And Armani Goodwin was hitting some home runs. And TDP was breaking off some long runs. And so I was like, okay, maybe the run game's going to be okay. I think it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can do it against LSU's first-team defense, who, again, we know they struggled against UCLA to, to stop the run at times. But... If, if you can do that against your first-team defense, you can do it against some SEC defensive line. So I, mm-hmm. I think I think it's there. I think you're right. I think the margins are, are slim. We had a bunch of questions about the running game, which is going to make this um, – it's going to make this, this, this question process pretty simple here. I, I do want to at least acknowledge those who asked the question uh, regarding the running game. And as I pull up my mentions here – Sorry. Also distracted by Stanford twenty eight USC thirteen in the third quarter. Weird day, weird day in college football. Like this result, Arkansas trounced in Texas. Like you, this is. Think about who's, and I'll get back to the questions here in a second. But think about some of the teams that have lost so far. USC's losing right now. Mm-hmm. Florida State lost today. They're not the, the typical selves, but to lose the way they did to Jackson, Jackson Jacksonville State. State. Yeah. Um, but you've already had Clemson lose. You've already had Ohio State lose to Oregon today. I mean, some some of these um, – who else? Wasn't there another Iowa top State five loss? I mean, they were number seven. Iowa State lost. So you are you have a lot of top team, 10 teams following, which is going to make the playoff interesting and leave more teams in contention as we go. So – um, okay. Hey, we love a good Stanford USC update here in Baton Rouge. So you're okay doing that here on the podcast. I did have some 07 flashbacks with all the yeah. fourth downs that LSU's offense was trying to convert early in the game. We had a bunch of questions about the running game. Chris Suggs asked about if it was more about the O line or the running backs. Um, let's see. I just want to acknowledge some of the people that ask questions because I do appreciate your questions. Brandon Bass said two weeks in a row with O-line issues. I know there's been some personnel changes. Yeah. Is it more on experience together or game planning? We address some of that. So the one other con- kind of common thing we had was about the drops. Wide receivers had some more drops. Yeah, Brian Thomas had some later. Um, Jare had a couple. Um, anyway, Nick Wu asked, might be looking too hard now, but what about Brian Thomas dropping – the pass there at the end. Um, Dustin Schmidt asked, what is the solution for cont- continuous drop passes? Um, Michael Clark asked, what can we do to fix the drops? Nussmeyer being yeah. a bit hot with the ball aside. Our wide receivers not named Butte. Our best can't bring it in. What do you think about the drops? I saw somebody make a joke about the summer of 10,000 catches. I specifically asked DJ Mangus about that sort of jokingly yeah. in the spring, and he said that they were bringing that back and they were trying to get all those yeah. catches in. So that – that practice is still in place, but well, it's it, wasn't, it wasn't really an issue in camp either. Yeah, you know the scrimmages. God, the receivers look so good in, in um, camp. I'm trying to think. You're trying to go back and and, and vision my my chart hell, I had for the UCLA game. Yeah, hell, far, I said Brian Thomas was the most impressive drops. freshman receiver I've seen at LSU, and physically he's he looks the part. But well, the, tonight, the thing that was great about that was uh, about the the scrimmages and stuff. At one time he was, and then the next week it was Malik Neighbors, who we haven't had a chance to see yet, and then the next week it was Jack Besh. So that was the best part about that. It was it was a different freshman receiver, and I mean I don't know. Can we can we sit here and say yeah? Can Nuss not throw a two seam fastball? Can he can he back it off a little bit? Okay, but still that's that's a catchable ball. That's got to be uh, caught. The next one's got to be caught. It's in your hands. Um, I think if Dre came up here and he was on the podcast, he would say, I've got to catch that 101 out of 100 times, right? 
um, it was definitely something that we haven't seen. And that, that kind of stuff, when you're trying to get on schedule, when you're trying to not be clunky on offense, when you're trying to create a rhythm, a drop pass will kill that right in its tracks. It just it, it will. Like knowing you called the right play, knowing your quarterback saw the coverage, delivered a catchable ball, and your receiver dropped it. I mean, it, it turns a smooth offense into a clunky one. So, yeah, not something that we've seen and not something that was really present during training camp. And we praise these guys for the tough catches they made. Not just catches, but they made it in traffic. So hopefully that's something that, that goes away because we haven't seen it and um, – there's still some of those guys that we talked about in camp that we have not seen on the field yet because of injury. So it's an impressive group. It's a group that I've got a lot of faith in. And it's one of the things that I love about this team is the young talent that they have on this team. And certainly the receiver position is it. But yeah, it's a fair question to ask because you can't have it. Two things on drops. One, I think it's mostly mental and less physical. And then to counter that point, Every time I talk to Jack Marucci, he talks about drops and eye placement and eye tracking. And so I guarantee you they're going to be looking at that this week and say, where did the drop occur? Right. Where was the dominant eye? Is this a trend we've seen with this guy before? So that yeah. it's going to be addressed in much deeper depth than I think most people it, are thinking. It's wild how much information Marucci truly has on, on stuff like that. And I think last time I asked him, because I asked him about the freshman receivers, I think he said Jack Bash graded the highest on, on all the tracking stuff and no surprise. I mean, we talked about Jack earlier on, on the podcast. So that stuff is definitely in play. And the coaches actually do a really nice job of listening to Jack yep. and, and getting all the data that he has. So, yeah, something that you just absolutely – you can't have when you're trying to, to get a young quarterback on pace, when you're trying to get a new offense coordinator on pace to, to really have a smooth drive that you continue to build on because, again, it's one of those plays. It's not a turnover, but it's close. All right, let's wrap it up. We're at the hour mark. This is supposed to be called the hurry up. Um, so well, I'll we hurry. hurried up and got up here. We did. We did hurry up and we got just, up here. When you started telling me that you could do things like ride two bikes at once, I had to ask questions. Yeah, I, I did. I did lend myself to to those questions. Um, I, I can't do that though. I can only ride ride one bike at a time. Um, so I'm sorry to disappoint our listeners. But I could try it this week. I do have two smaller bikes that my, I'm trying to teach my Please kids to ride. Um, Please don't do that. I could start I, I with training want, wheels. I don't want to have to push you around next week in a wheelchair to get to the hurry up. Okay. Well, we'll we'll take it into consideration. And um, something that maybe we can try later in the season. Um, no, let's don't do that. Okay, let's, let's just it, not do it. Let's it, just stick with the truck. We're over 30. One bike at let's a time. just stop it. I might need a tricycle. I might need more wheels than actually <laughs> just having two. Okay, the, so the, let's don't try that. The old quadcycle. Uh, real quick, I'll ask you one question before we go. Okay. Central Michigan coming to town. We don't know a whole lot about Central Michigan, I know obviously. nothing about Central Michigan. And being in the MAC. Jim McElwain is the head coach, though. I, okay, I know one thing about Central okay, Michigan. Okay, so somebody that LSU fans know from his days at Florida. Who knows what the opponent is? They lost their first game against Missouri by 10 on the road. They come back and they beat Robert Morris, I think, 45 to nothing today. Yep. Don't really know what you can take from that. But what are the things, real quick, just give me one thing that has to happen for Cody Warsham next Saturday in Death Valley. Shots downfield. I, st I still want to see it. I think it. that's fair. As much as I want the running game to look better, look different – I just I, I want to see the ball push down the field, give your uber talented receivers just a chance. So what you know, Nussmeyer was three of ten for nineteen yards, a couple drops should have been better, but he had the one pi, and I was mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, that happens sometimes. Like if you throw the ball downfield and put the D, the DB on an island, you get a pi and you get fifteen yards, yeah. and it doesn't show up in the stat book for the quarterback. But the ability to stretch the field not only helps you statistically, it frees up the running game. It um, gets the defense moving backward instead of forward, changes their leverage. I, I think it's something that LSU's got to do, and, and yeah. Max can do it. We He may not be able to throw it 60 yards on a rope on the run, but right. he can push the ball down the field more. Week one, fewest attempts in the in Power 5 downfield, two out of 44, I think, yeah. he threw 44 passes. I bet if I track the numbers this week, it's going to be pretty similar. And so I'd like to see that ability. Part of it is you've got to protect them. Give them the time to do it, but yeah. as Nuss showed, like you can kind of three step drop and 
pick a spot on the sideline and throw it to it and, and let your guy go make a play. Yeah, I agree. Again, when almost every time you line up, you're going to have one of the most talented receivers in the country in Keishon Butte. I take some shots and you know, there, there might be a time when it bites you and you get the safety that, uh, that plays it over the top and he comes and he intercepts it, but you have to threaten that because if you don't threaten it, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see safety start to play at about 10 yards because they feel like you're not going to run a route that threatens them. So they're going to try to keep everything in front of them. And what does that do? Well, it brings more people into the run game count as well. So it's really a double-edged sword. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. As much as I want to see the running game improve, I want to see shots down the field next week. All right. Well, we'll we'll look forward to hopefully seeing that. And I look forward to seeing you on Tuesday when we record uh, the midweek edition of Hey Fightin' Podcast. And then after that, you know where I'm heading? Back to campus to talk to Sean Hudson. Let's go. Coach of the LSU soccer team, undefeated. What are they, 7-0 now? Uh, number oh, seven in the country. Number seven in the country. Ten or eleven straight wins dating back to last season. Dating back to last spring, um, they had a little bit of a trap game that could have really creeped up against UL Lafayette this last week. After all those ranked road wins, yep. they didn't allow it to creep in. They take care of business with another shot of five nil. Five nil. Yeah. Uh, Molly Thompson with the hat trick between LSU soccer being seven and zero and Cade York um, setting two records tonight. Like. In terms of like kicking and legs, great start to the fall for yeah. the purple and gold and for the LSU Tigers. I'm going to go home and catch up on the latest Ted Lasso now. Oh, I need to, I need to watch it too. Wait. Let's, I haven't watched like, it yet. The, just the this episode, one. though. Yeah, just this one. Wa- oh, I've okay. wa- I'm, I'm fully caught up on I was about others. to kindly no, leave if no, you no, haven't no, seen no, it no, at all. No, no spoilers, but I'm okay. fully caught up except for the episode that came out Friday. Okay, we're on the same so page. We're, uh, we're, we're in good shape. Last I saw, spoiler alert. Um, Ted had started his counseling sessions yeah. with with uh, the psych the psychologist um, Roy Kent was reading um, the Da Vinci Code. He was and um, trying to think what other big big markers there were. Nathan was kind of being a Nathan's kind of letting the he, he's he's searching oh. Twitter too much. He's he's a little addicted to Look, the Twitter machine. You search, you need to chill with the Twitter machine. If you search your name on Twitter as much as he's doing, you're feeling yourself way too much. <laughs> you ever search your name on Twitter? Only when I know it's going to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> See you. You've been a high, you've been high profile like since you were in college. I would guess that like when I was like first getting started, I probably searched my name and then like one day found a result that I didn't like and I just don't do it anymore. Like it, I'm just afraid of what I'll find. I, I just because here's how it goes. The yeah. people that like you, they, they yeah. at least in my opinion, they right. quietly like you. They, 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 hey, I like that guy. But they're yeah. not going on Twitter being like, I really like this guy unless you're Ted Lasso. Yeah. Um, but the people that don't like you, whew, they will let you know about it. I do it when I almost predict a score of like another SEC game on my SEC show on Sirius just to see the other fan base like just rip <laughs> into me like this have- idiot. <laughs> like today, like I thought NC State was going to come out and have a really nice game playing mm. against Mississippi State and the Bulldogs and they're faithful. They've already started to let me know. And you should. Yeah. You should absolutely well, let me know because the good thing about it, I don't take it uh, too hardly. If there is a single Mississippi State fan listening right now, like shoot me a message on Twitter. I will send you like there's I don't know, probably a six pack of beer around here somewhere. Like if you're a Mississippi <laughs> State fan and you're listening this deep into the show, like I think we've lost hey, most of the LSU fans by Rivers now. Rivers Hewish, you might be listening. Rivers might be listening. Yeah. Rivers, if you're you listening, just, yep. I got you. All right. Um let's wrap up. Let's go. I'm trying it to is, think. Mississippi is, State, uh, Mississippi State, uh Dave Barnes, friend of mine, musician, uh, popular in the Gulf Coast. He's an Arsenal fan as well. He might be listening because you're an Arsenal fan, so you never know. One nil to the Arsenal today, by you the way. You literally never know. We're, we're no longer bottom of the table. We're moving on up, coming for Everton Until next. Until next week. Until next week. But uh, LSU Soccer is, is my new soccer club, and Arsenal is a distant second. Fair enough. So excited about talking to Sean Hudson uh, this week. I might even include that on this podcast. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how the interview goes. But uh, they play Mississippi State home opener on Friday. I will 100% be there, whatever it takes to get there. Excited about that. Excited about talking to you midweek as LSU gets ready for Central Michigan. Important game. Got a lot of work to do, a lot of things to improve on in the uh, the final non-conference tune-up before SEC play yep. starts. So, Hester, appreciate you coming up to my office and, uh, and joining us for the show. And uh, 
for wearing the purple and black, getting the purple and black memo. It's a vibe. I think we have to bring it back next week since LSU won. It wasn't yep. the best performance, but a win's a win. So I'll see you next week uh, in the purple and black. Yep, no more khakis. Like nights of old, we fight to hold the glory of the purple and gold. Come on, you tigers. I said fight, fight, fight. Victory for, victory Don't